Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian in training and health and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. It has been a minute since I've said those words. It's been around a month since the last podcast episode aired. So if you didn't see over on Instagram, we went on a little bit of a fall break, a little hiatus because I had some personal things going on, nothing bad. I was just really focused on studying for my RD exam and on grad school and I needed a little bit of a break. And so I decided to take the month of November off of the podcast And I, in that time, became a registered dietitian, so I actually need to change the intro music because I am not a future registered dietitian or whatever I say in there, registered dietitian to be, or in training, I think that's what I say. I am now an RD, which is super exciting, and I actually posted on Instagram today, which is the day before this episode airs, about maybe, you know, posting more food content or just kind of talking about nutrition and my food philosophy more on the podcast. So if you're interested in that kind of episode, please let me know. I don't really talk about it too much on the pod because A, I feel like there's been so many other topics and so many other guests I've had on. We've definitely explored food and, you know, the relationship with food, but if you want to hear my perspective or just kind of a solo episode on all that or just me having more registered dietitians on the show and things like that, definitely let me know. Nutrition, like I said on Instagram, was my first sort of passion in life, and it's still something I'm super passionate about, but it definitely isn't my only passion. And so, of course, I'm super excited that I'm finally a registered dietitian. This is something I've been working for or towards my like entire academic career since high school, but... I also am so interested in so many other things and excited to bring it all together in my career, not just as a registered dietitian, but having that be kind of a part of what I do. And so we can also get into that and just kind of career in general, because I know a lot of people in their 20s are kind of confused and, you know, I'm right there with you on, you know, what I want to do in this life, what I want my career to be, what I want to bring to the world and how I want to be of service. So Definitely want to have a guest on, someone a little more experienced to talk about that. So let me know if you're interested in that. But now I'm rambling. Anyway, I took that time off. I became an RD. And during that time, I also recorded a few amazing episodes for you guys. So I'm excited to be back, finish the year off strong for the podcast. And I have so many exciting things coming next year and um, just where I see the podcast going and the future of it all. So I'm really, really excited. I'm so grateful you're here with me listening and have been supporting the podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast even more, make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me out and helps the show get seen more. And make sure to follow me over on Instagram at thoughts.on.thriving. And Now, let's get into today's guest, which is the most exciting part. I have been wanting Erin Falconer on the show for so long, and I'm so, so excited that she was able to come on and have a conversation with me all about friendship. So she wrote the book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, and when I read this book, I just was so excited that someone had taken the time to really dive into this topic and bring light to these things because I feel like there's, I mean, we talk about this in the episode, but I feel like there's so many relationship books out there, but there's not that many on friendships. And in the same way, people don't really talk about it as much as they do their romantic relationships and partnerships. So this is a really, really important conversation, especially I think for people like me in their twenties who are trying to figure out who they want to be and also who they want to surround themselves with. And also just after COVID, all of us reevaluating our relationships and who we are spending our time with now that we know that time is so precious 
I mean, we always kind of knew that, but I feel like COVID brought light to that and um, brought light to the importance of who you surround yourself with. So this couldn't have come at a better time, I feel like. And I think that Erin has a lot of good wisdom to share on friendship. She is a therapist. She also co-founded Leaf TV. And she is also a blogger um, from the blog Pick the Brain. And she also has written two books now, her first book and this book that just came out in the pandemic called How to Break Up with Your Friends. So if you liked this episode, make sure to get your hands on that book. I highly, highly recommend reading it. I think everyone can take something away from it. And it has a lot of good tangible tools, not just on how to break up with your friends, but on how to make more friends and She also shares how to even go about starting to evaluate your friendships and has different exercises in the book that you can start doing. So highly recommend the book, highly recommend this podcast episode. Make sure you listen to the whole thing. Erin is lovely and I'm so, so grateful once again to have gotten the chance to sit down with her. So here is the episode with Erin and I hope you all enjoy. Well, Erin, welcome to Thoughts on Thriving. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Great to chat. Yes. I'm so excited to have you on because I feel like this is a topic I've wanted to talk about and explore on the podcast more, but I really wanted an expert to talk about it with because, you know, a few, a couple like 20 something year olds can go on and on about friendship all day, but really getting into the science behind it, which I know you dive into in your book in the beginning and also just having the perspective of someone who has had more experience with friendship, has right. <laughs> researched it so much, and who is a therapist as well. I know your background is in therapy, and this is your second book? Yeah, yes. Awesome. Well, I loved this book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, and I'm so excited to chat about it today. So first of all, before we even like get into friendships, what inspired you to even dive into this topic and write this book? Um, you know, I was looking for a follow-up for my first book, which is called how to get shit done. Uh, why women need to stop doing everything so they can achieve anything. And that's very rooted in like the female empowerment, female productivity space. And I went down a bunch of dead ends over the course of six or seven months trying to come up with, uh, you know, what, what could be the follow-up and, kind of a couple of events conspired at the same time. Now, firstly, I literally woke up one morning at like 6am half awake, half asleep. And this phrase, how to break up with your friends was just in my head. Like it just was there. And I was like, what, what is this about? Tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't really. And over the next couple of days, it just kept resurfacing, resurfacing until I was waiting for one of my friends. We had a, a lunch meeting or like a lunch date. And, um, she's notoriously late. And though outwardly I would call her like a BFF, um, you know, on paper, when I started to look at it, I was sitting in the restaurant waiting for her. And my, my frustration level was so big. And I was kind of like, what is this about this, this reaction in you feels a lot stronger than, you know, the, the, the punishment feels a lot stronger than the crime. And so I started to like, look at it and look at the landscape of our friendship. And what I realized was there was actually this huge chasm that had grown between us. I didn't know when that had started. And again, outwardly, we would have both said we're best friends, you know, and then, but when I started to look at it, it was like, wow, there's a lot of built up resentment or frustration or, you know, fill in the, fill in the blank with the word. And, and I was really surprised by this. And then I started to look at some other friendships in my life. And I had all of this, these findings, like either there was again, like similarly, like a frustration and a chasm had grown, or I felt like I missed them, even though we were actively in a friendship or I felt nothing at all, which was of course the worst, uh, worst reaction to have. And so I had this epiphany sitting there, um, where I was like, this is, I can't believe this is the first time I'm doing this. Like, I can't believe this is the first time I'm kind of doing a friendship audit. And as you've probably heard me say before, you know, we are a culture that is obsessed with information about ourselves. We have, you know, we know every single calorie or gram of fat or protein, you know, that we're eating. We wear stupid watches that tell us every step we're taking in a day. Marie Kondo has us holding up chairs and sweaters and asking if they bring joy. 
And yet the people specifically in this category, this friendship category, in our lives, we have very little eyes on. And so it was kind of in that moment when I was, you know, waiting for my friend that I, I was like, oh, there's really something here. Um, and so I started to kind of dive into that world. And, and funny enough, I put together the pitch and sold the pitch for this book, February 23rd, 2020, um, which was three weeks before we went into national lockdown. I thought it was an important topic then. I couldn't possibly have predicted how overnight important, you know, this subject of friendship would become as literally all of our friends were ripped kind of away from us as we went into our micro bubbles of the pandemic. Wow. That, I didn't know that you came up with the idea before the pandemic even. Yes. Because I know the book came out during the pandemic. Yes, so exactly. That's so funny. And what great timing for people reading right. it. Because, I mean, God knows I've been evaluating all my friends since COVID right. started, but I think that it's a really good thing to do that you're kind of bringing like light to is just taking an audit, looking at our friends. I know in the book, you talk about like writing all your friends down and putting them in categories. And yeah, (laughs) it's funny. My friends before the pandemic in college, I used to a little bit about me and in the friendship department is that (laughs) I used to put a lot of my worth into my friendships, I think. And I think COVID really helped me to not do that. But in the past, I would I would really, you know, want more quantity over quality because I thought that that's what would bring me joy and that I loved having a lot of friends and all this stuff. And I do, I love people. And I think that relationships are the most important thing in life, but it was to the point where like I had, I was calling everyone my best friend (laughs) basically, and we do that and we don't really take a look. Um, And then at the same time, I would have friends around me being like, okay, well, Ava has like all these tiers of friends and she has like, like, am I tier one? Am I tier two? And all these things, but all jokes aside, the actual like hierarchy of friends that you kind of talk about the inner circle, the outer ring. I mean, we can't have everyone be our best friend. I think that that exercise in the book is, is really helpful. And I would love for you to kind of speak on kind of each of those rings and each of those Uh, types of friends because I think that we a lot of people kind of just are like oh this is my friend so they're therefore we're best friends we have to do everything together all this stuff and it's just it doesn't work that way so it doesn't no exactly and um yeah so I think the first thing that you mentioned is which is the starting place that I that I that I talk about you know where where to begin with all of this is is literally taking a piece of paper and writing down the names of everybody that is kind of at least in your inner and middle circle and just watch your visceral visceral reaction to seeing their name appear in front of you. It's such good information, right? And it's kind of like, I liken this to um, if your phone rings and a name comes up on the call display and you're like, you look at it and you're like, what reaction do you have? Are you like, or are you diving to get the call? Or are you conflicted about whether you should answer it or not, right? All of this is really good information, but we never process it. We just, you, we just act without thinking, without reflection, right? So the exercise of just writing people's, these people's names down and watching what your reaction is, is really a valuable place to start, right? And so those people will probably fall into three categories. You'll either feel super warm about you know, the person when you see their name, and I'm not talking intellectually, I'm talking what's your physical gut reaction, right? Like, what is your instinct when you see this person's name? If you're thinking about it, you've done it wrong. So, so start again. Um, and, and then there's the uh, next thing that you might find, which is the what I found with my friend, which was I was like, ah, kind of frustration and irritation. And then you'll find probably find quite a few of those in your world. And then there is probably going to be the category, which I mentioned uh, before, where you don't feel much of anything. And that's like the biggest red flag, right? Because even if you're frustrated or irritated, there's still some emotion. There's still some passion there. If there's kind of a numbness to this person, you're going to really want to pay attention to why that is, right? So that's kind of the place to first start. Um, And then the, the thing 
that you mentioned that I think is really important is that we kind of just collect friends and we think that these relationships are kind of, um, you know, nice to have and should give, give, give. And this is the only category of relationship, which we really feel like this, like we understand family takes work. We understand romantic relationships take work, but friendship is kind of like you become a friend, you're put in that bucket, and then you just kind of leave it there without reflection. And the truth is, you know, to be a really good friend with somebody, to really be in an active, um, healthy, robust relationship with somebody, a friendship, it takes a lot of work, right? And it's not, it, it's not always going to be rainbows and sunshines and, trip, and, and trips to the spa. You know, life gets real. You're going to have to show up for people. You're going to have to show up for yourself within those relationships and kind of demand to be seen and heard in a way that you really want to be. And all of that stuff, it is effort, right? So over the course of a lifetime or a season of a lifetime, you're going to collect a lot of friends, right? But they cannot all be equal because mathematically, it's just not possible to deliver what you need to deliver in these relationships and, and, and do that for more than five or six people, right? Just a bandwidth issue, right? Unless we're talking about, diff, you know, unless we have a different definition of what friendship is, but the friendship I'm talking about requires time, effort, energy, right? So you really want to identify those five or six people that are in your world or, or that aren't in your world and you need to fill, right? And then you want to look at, okay, so these are kind of my, my starting lineup. Um, and then you look at different categories of friendship beyond that, right? So who are my, um, I really feel warmly about them, but I'm not taking a call at three in the morning with a crisis, or I'm not calling them at three in the morning with a crisis, but I like to see them. I, I, I always enjoy our conversations, or our time together. So that's kind of your like middle tier. And then also within that middle tier, you find um, situational friends. So, 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 you know, these could be, you could have like work friends. You, if you're like a new mom or a mom, you can have your new mom friends or you can, you know, your soccer friends, or you can have your, so they're like, again, they're not somebody that's really robustly involved in your life, but certainly fulfill a very important aspect of your life. Right. And I think when you're looking at that, the important thing is, again, to your point is to understand that nobody can be everything to you. Nobody, right? Only you can be everything to you. Beyond that, you need to, you need to put together uh, relationships that, so they're not everything, but they fulfill meaningful parts of you. And each relationship fulfills something different in you, right? The more, <clears throat> excuse me, dynamic of the people you can bring into your world in terms of relationships, the more dynamic person you become, right? So you may be doing this original exercise and saying, okay, I've got two or three people, but that's it, right? So what are you missing? And this is the most important thing of, I, I would say the entire book is that the best friendships start with the best relationship with yourself, right? That's the starting point. So to really understand your own needs, what you're made of, so that then you can go out and actively start bringing those, the people that meet those needs and that you meet their needs into your life, right? So I have another thing that the starting point really is, you've got to be able to answer four fundamental questions about yourself. Um, those questions are, who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go? And you want to take some time answering those questions. It's not like a, you know, so as opposed to the writing down the friend's name and you want an, you know, an instinctual answer, the answers to these questions you need to sit with over the course of days or weeks, however long it takes you to get the answers. And only then can you start really analyzing or evaluating the people in your life. Because it's hard for people to meet needs when you are not aware or clear of what your needs are right? It's hard for people to see you and show up for you in a way that you want when you don't know what, you, how you want people you know, to see you, how you want to be seen in the world, right? So anyways, that's, I got off on a big tangent there, but that, that really deserves to be said because that is the starting point of every healthy relationship is the work you do with yourself. 
Completely. And I think that goes for romantic relationships. And we understand that like as, as a society, and there's so many books out there on romantic relationships and love, but then when it comes to friendship, we kind of look at it in a different way. But I think that the way that you describe it is like kind of looking at them similarly, of course, you're not going to get married to these people, but it's a very similar thing. Yes. And often, and often, you know, friendships last longer than romantic relationships. True. Yeah. You know, that's kind of another one of the epiphanies that I had um, when I started out the, the journey of writing this book. I because when I stopped and I said, well, how come I haven't done this before? And why, you know, this is so weird. It's like a big black hole, these relationships. Why is that? And I looked at, I started to look at traditional therapy, which, you know, I'm, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm a therapist. And within that world, we have individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy, but there's nothing for friendships, right? And while I'm not necessarily advocating for friend couples to run out and find a therapist, Although if you have a very long-standing relationship of any consequence and it's kind of falling apart, I don't think it's a bad idea to go talk to somebody. What it means to me more than that, though, is that there's no collectively agreed upon language for navigating conflict out there in the zeitgeist around these relationships. There's no blueprint of how to get into a new relationship. There's no blueprint print for how to get out of an existing friendship that's not working. And so what we do is kind of just push our feelings, you know, when conflict arises, we either push our feelings down and try to kind of become numb to that behavior. But what ends up happening is when you push those feelings down and you become numb to one kind of behavior, unfortunately, the way it works is you don't choose which parts you become numb to. You start to just become numb to that person. And that's what I think you see a lot of. And that's kind of where I was with my friend at the beginning of all of this, where I'd have these things where she was chronically late and it started from there. And so I just had this frustration that was building up, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I was just like, I'll just become numb to this. But I started to become numb to her, right? And the relationship. And so you can you can see if you do that, you, you, you can be in a relationship, not just one, but many relationships where you're just kind of treading water, right? You're just allowing the relationship to happen to you. You're not happening to that relationship, right? And that's the power position is for you to be active and intentional in these relationships. And so, um, so what, so what happens is you either just totally become numb or you push it down until you can't push it down and then end up having a big overreaction to something, right? Where it's like you flip out and it, everybody's like, she, is she crazy? What, you know, and it's just like a, it's just like an accumulation of micro kind of frustrations that then comes out, you know, the, the steam blows over. And so either of those are not good situations, Right. You want to get to a place where you feel like you can just speak honestly, but we don't have the language. It feels silly for us to talk, you know, because we're just not used to practicing it. We're, but in romantic relationships, we're talking about it all the time. We're talking about it with our friends. We're talking about it with our family about these romantic relationships. We're talking about the person that we're with the person we're in a romantic relationship. We're constantly communicating our needs when we've been let down, when we're frustrated. You know what I mean? And in friendships, it's just like, because we don't really feel like we've got the right to do that. And of course, that's the missed opportunity. Yeah, totally. And I think that's a good segue into friend breakups, because I think that to a certain point, sure, we can tolerate some of this behavior, but I mean, first of all, when would it be a good time to break up with the friend? What happened with this friend with you? Did, did you guys end up breaking up quote unquote, or did you have a conversation around it? And when do you become like, when do you draw the line? Yeah. So with that friend in particular, I did have a conversation with her, not and not at that moment. I, I kind of, you know, halfway through the book, basically writing the book, I was like, I got to say something. I'm writing this book. <laughs> so I got, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to say something to this friend. So I sat her down, we, you know, I made a, we made a, a, a 
date. I think it was a drinks date. And I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, kind of say my piece on this. Well, I, we set the time. And of course she showed up late. And while I was waiting, it was unbelievable. So this time I was really watching my thought process. So at first I was like, you know, I kind of had this whole thing I was going to say to her. And then I was getting really frustrated because she was late again. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm talking about, you know, in my head. And I'm like, you know, going, blah, blah, blah. and then, but then I started to talk myself out of it. As I realized kind of like the countdown was on and she was definitely going to be like walking in the door within, you know, five, 10 minutes, especially when she texted me parking, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got like five minutes, five, 10 minutes. And I was like, amazed to watch just how my thought process started to go like, I don't know, is this really such a big deal? We've been friends for so long. She's in a really bad place in life. You know, she's a single mom. It must be so stressful for her. And all of a sudden I've got this entire like list of a thousand reasons why I shouldn't do this. And I was shocked to watch myself. I also shocked to also like see how nervous I was. This is crazy. This is a friend I've been, you know, we've been friends for 15, 17 years. You know what I mean? The comfort level should be there, but like the idea of having conflict and like, you know, sitting down and like, just like you normally would, if you were like going to have a serious conversation with a romantic partner, there's still nerves there, but the nerves feel normal. This felt bananas. I'm like, I was like, you know, and anyway, so she sat, so she sat down, she was like, hi, you know, and, and it's just, crazy to kind of watch it with this different lens on because not only was this friend I don't know if this has ever happened to you but not only was this friend always late but then she'll like sit down in a big and tell me the you know for 15 minutes why she was late and the big elaborate story of you know the traffic here and then her boss there and like you know and it's so that then would also just eat into you know our limited time to hang out so she breezes in she sits down launches into the story of why she's like and for a couple minutes, I was just like indulging this story, you know, because I didn't want to like bring that. So finally, I was like, you just got to do this. this is insane. So I stopped her and I was like, hey, hold on. I need to, you know, I need to talk to you about something. And I felt like my anxiety going, you know, kind of like, and she was like, oh, OK. And the the thing that really works in the situation is having what you're going to say kind of really mapped out. Because the anxiety does kind of take over. You start to rush, you start, you know, you start to like speed up. And so as soon as I started talking, it was like for 30 seconds, just getting the first kind of words out were really like anxiety producing and adrenaline, you know, rushing. But as soon as I said, like said the first piece, I really was able to settle. It's just getting the first thing out and then I was able to really kind of, you know, outline why I was frustrated. I got major pushback and like a lot of defensiveness off the bat, which is to be expected. You also need to factor that into these types of conversations. It's not always going to be namaste right off the bat. You know, it's like there's going to be like a whoa. Um, And it ended up being a very, very, very productive conversation where after defenses were down, you know, she was, became very aware of her behavior. And then also was like, well, here's by, while we're talking, here's some stuff that I've been irritated by in me. And I was like, you know, and then, but, and in the end was, you know, able to kind of receive that. And we hashed it out. We actually ended up having a great time once, you know, once the dust settled of that conversation and our relationship is much, much better for it. Um, so, you know, how do you get to that versus a breakup? So, you know, this book is called how to break up with your friends, as you know, but there's only one chapter on how to break up with your friends. There are nine chapters on the importance of, you know, the physical, mental, emotional benefits of friendship, and then how to do friendship a lot better. So the idea is to just be more active and engaged, involved in making choices to get, you know, the best group around you. But there is going to come, I think, a point where you are going to have to make some harder decisions and 
let a couple of relationships go, right? Especially if you maybe not in your early twenties, like, because you haven't, you're probably still in like the beginning phases of a lot of these relationships, adult relationships, maybe, but maybe not. But if you're like in your thirties or forties, you've definitely accumulated, you know, <clears throat> probably some relationships that you need to let go of. And so that really comes down to how do you feel within these relationships? And often there isn't like one big like betrayal, right? It's that's a very media kind of perception of female friendships like, oh, she stole my boyfriend or girlfriend or she, you know, she she got that promotion. And, you know, these things are very actually infrequent. What's more frequent is again, this death by a thousand cuts, where it's like just over time, you know, there's been, you know, either a lack of boundaries or a lack of respect. And again, they're not like in bright lights. It's like lowercase um, kind of infractions. And um, so that when you get to auditing it, <clears throat> it's hard to make heads or tails of what you should do. Right. And so I mean, of course, if somebody's like stealing your romantic partner or messing up job promotions, then that's a, that's a much more obvious, you know, take. But it's kind of the muddy, nuanced gray area of where we're going to find most of these relationships that the only thing you can really do is say, how do I feel when I'm with this person, right? Do I feel not like myself? Do I feel like a compromised version of myself? Not am I irritated. Do I feel like I am a different person when I'm in this active, you know, when I'm engaging in this relationship, a worse version of myself, a lesser version of myself? And is this situational in the sense that is, has this just been for like three or four months, you know, in the landscape of a relationship that's over 10 years? Or has this kind of been the dominant way that I felt, right? So if it's situational, you want to look what's going on in your life, what's going on in their life, because, you know, life's hard and sometimes things happen uh, like that, you know, that person, that other person could have lost their job and is really kind of struggling and has not been able to connect with you in the past three or four months, right? That's very different than basically from its genesis, you have not felt like the best version of yourself when you're with this person. If that's the case, you need to take a long, hard look at what this relationship is really bringing and what you can bring to this relationship. Chances are, it's not gonna be a lot of good if, you're, if you don't feel like the authentic version of yourself with this when you're with this person. Um, and that's when you're going to have to make a choice, right? Am I going to free up some space and energy to put the right person in this slot? Or am I going to continue to kind of tread water with this person and kill time and energy? These are often the, again, the hardest conversations to have because there is no big, like, I get it moment, right? Like, so, but it doesn't mean that they're not, you don't need to have those conversations. Um, sometimes you can be, friends with somebody for a long time, you know, quote unquote, friends with somebody for a long time. And there's been a place and space and time when you guys have really connected and really been there and really kind of witnessed each other and transformative, you know, eras of your life. But today you find yourself in very different places. Okay. That's okay. And you don't need to have a breakup moment with that person. As long as you two have evolved in different directions and you both have a kind of unspoken understanding that you've gone in, you're just going in other directions and not one better than the other. It's just different, right? That's okay. You don't need to have an intervention with that. When you do need to have an intervention, if in that scenario, one of you keeps trying to engage the other, keeps trying to make plans or, you know, have conversations with you on texts or social media, and you feel like you're just not in the same place, but they're not getting it. In that case, you do wanna have some kind of conversation or convey the way you're feeling because what often happens there is something that was like originally a very powerful um, and important source of energy or love for you, right? Instead of that being the driving memory of that relationship, what ends up happening is you end up become very frustrated 
and irritated by the person and like, why aren't they getting it? I'm not really responding. And yet they keep trying to hit me up. And the other person is like, what's wrong with this person? I feel so hurt. I'm just trying to connect with my friend. And they're like, they're not into it. Right. And that becomes the driving memory of that friendship. Okay. So what happens is you're holding on to when you could be holding on to a very positive thing that you've just ended when it needed to end, you're holding on to something and engaging with something with frustration. And that's something that takes your energy, not gives your, not gives you energy. So in that situation, you're going to want to make a call again. And it's not about I'm breaking up with you in that circumstance. It's just about communicating you have a bandwidth problem, a bandwidth issue here. And out of the respect for the relationship that you've had, you want to be clear, right? And so, yeah, there are many different, you know, and in the book, I do talk about, I, th- I have five or six different conversation starters. Again, it's, you know, relationships are so complicated. And so everything is so specific, but I do have like five or six general buckets just to get the conversation started because just having those the right words to intro it I think gets you in the door and it becomes a lot a lot less daunting totally and I think that I I was actually going to say people should get the book if they're interested in this because there's a lot more detail of like the different situations Mm. but I think that it's it's when it's one-on-one it actually might be easier than a friend group. And I kind of wanted to bring this up to you because (laughs) friend groups can get so complicated. It's like so many different people, so many different personalities. (laughs) What if you don't like this one person's boyfriend who keeps bringing the boyfriend to all the stuff. And then it's like, I love the friend. I don't love the boyfriend, all these different things. Or like, maybe you don't connect with the group as a whole. Um, and like their, their activities that they do as a whole, but you love certain people in the group. So what, what do you do in that situation? This is the, this is the question I get without fail. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, I bet. It, so messy. If one-on-one relationships are so complicated, if it's, if you have three or four people in that group, it's not times three or four, the complication it's times three or 4,000, because you're interacting with different peoples and different moods at different interests, like it's exponential, the, the complexity. And so it, yeah, it's very difficult, again, because these things are so nuanced to give general pieces of advice. But I will say that it is important to, we end up getting pulled in these groups without thinking about it at all, right? Like this is my friend group. And so I'm, that's even more than a one-on-one relationship. You end up getting dragged into often a lot of events that you're not necessarily interested in, but the friend group's interested in a lot of group text chats, which are my personal, just cannot stand. (laughs) Love all of the individuals who are texting. I do not love it in a group, <laughs> in a group <laughs> capacity. Um, or as you said, different people come and come and go from the groups, like boyfriends or you know, new friends that are being. But you're kind of like, yeah. oh, I didn't sign up for those guys. Yes, <laughs> I up for these guys, but not those guys. And so that's why you have to constantly be checking in with how you feel in this group versus how you feel with individuals in that group. And sometimes you've got to make a choice. Again, it's like, it feels so daunting because now there's like four people that you might be, you know, quote unquote, breaking up with, but you're not, all you're doing is switching the energy and where you put the energy. And so it's totally fine to message, you know, the people that you really feel or have conversations with the people that you feel you have a real valuable connection with and say, listen, I'm so thankful for our relationship. I feel like it's getting diluted in the context of the group. And I'd much rather just have one-on-one hangs with you than feel obligated to be doing all this other stuff, which is just a bunch of noise um, to me. And I don't really get to connect with you in a way that I want to, right? And that's that. So that can be one option: choosing, you know, one or two or three of the people of the group and saying, "Let's do this individually. This works better." If there's a case like with the boyfriend coming in, this is more difficult, right? You and it's hard to predict because is this 
boyfriend like seasonal? Is this guy going to be gone? Like you love this person and you love the group that the boyfriends caused chaos. Is this, is this a relationship that you think is going to stand the test of time? In other words, is this guy going to be just part of the mix? It's hard for you to predict, right? But sometimes you get a feeling like, oh, this guy is a loser. Like there's no way this is going to be over sooner rather than later. And then at that point, you got to kind of maybe suck it up and say, <laughs> I don't want to jump ship because I feel like then that's costing me when I feel like I feel like this guy's going to be out of the loop. Um, or it might be like, I feel like this, you know, this she's going to marry this guy and he's going to be in here. And I'm just not, that changes the whole dynamic of the group. And it feels like you go, oh, but it's just this guy coming in. But no, when somebody else is brought into a group, the whole energy shifts. Completely. That's a great time to re-reflect and say, does this energy still suit me? Right. Um, and sometimes you're going to have to make hard decisions. The, the really tricky thing is if you're in a group where like a friend couples groups, you know, where the, 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 the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the girlfriends and girlfriends are all mixed and then people break up and then that group needs to choose often like, well, who's still in the group, <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> that becomes really tricky because, uh, and I see that all the time as well, because people start needing to make changes or, you know, choices um, that can blow, that often blows the whole thing up. So, but again, it just comes down to back to you and say, what's the best, what's the best thing energetically for me? Because when you're being clear and honest about that, you're operating at your highest level within that group, if, especially if you end up staying, right? If you end up compromising yourself to stay in that group when it's not really the best fit energetically, you're also compromising the group, right? So as hard as it, it might be or as rude as it might be to be like, I'm stepping out of this group, it's actually you're doing the group a favor because if you can't show up there authentically and really embrace what's going on there, you're actually a liability to that group, right? Totally. So you got to choose yourself always. And that's hard to do in a, group. <laughs> in a group because it does feel like the group has a persona that's bigger than any individual within it. But that can't be the case. Right. I feel like what it keeps coming back to in any of these situations with breakups, with the friend group, it's like it all starts with you. That's right. And so even with making new friends, which I'd love to dive into before we have yeah. to end in a few minutes. Um, the last chapter in your book is probably my favorite one and it's titled how to make new friends. And for people in their twenties, especially a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in their twenties. And, um, a lot of us are post-grad kind of trying to navigate this weird time of life. And I feel like I've been really thinking about this a lot lately, but it's so hard to execute, or at least I think it is (laughs) in my head. It is because we're not used to doing it. We're yeah. just used to thinking about, again, fr- we have this mindset that friendships should just kind of happen to us. Mm-hmm. Like, and if the pandemic has really shown us that, you know, when we, when we've been so isolated, so isolated, that's one of the things is like, everybody kind of got clear on who they didn't want in their lives. But then as we were reemerging into society, there was a big anxiety, but like, well, then how do I do something about getting these people out of my life? Like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And if I do that, I have these gaping holes in my kind of social scene. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, there's such a profound loneliness that's come out of this pandemic. It's even more scary now to think like, well, isn't a warm body better than nothing at all? And the truth is it's not. Yeah, I think that a lot of the loneliness comes from not people that don't have friends is that people are in the wrong friendships because you're like, well, why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel depressed? I have all these people around me. Well, you feel depressed because you think just because you have people around you, you should be feeling engaged and fulfilled. If you don't have the right people around you, you're going to feel a really um, deafening type of loneliness. Right. And so it's really, although it's scary to kind of clear some, some room on your friend roster. Um, it's absolutely necessary if you want to get to that real place of connection. So that makes you, that, that is the cure, the antidote for lo- loneliness. Um, so 
I liken it just to dating, right? Like, again, when you, let's say you've had a breakup and then you're not, you know, you're kind of single for a while, but then you're like, oh, I want to get back in the game, right? What's the first thing you do? You announce it to your friends and family. I think I'm ready to get out there again. I think I'm ready to meet somebody. And what you're doing is you're energetically putting that out into the universe, but you're also literally planting seeds within your tight, your close network, right? And what if, so then what do those people start doing? Ooh, their minds start really. Who can I introduce so-and-so to? So oh, so-and-so is available. They'd be a good couple. So then what are they doing? They're putting out into the world and into the universe energy around you finding somebody. And then they're also literally starting to connect dots. What do you do besides that? You put yourself on a dating profile. You literally put it out to the world. I'm trying to meet somebody, right? When you walk into a bar or for a work gathering or somebody's party, you arrive at the party and you look around the room and go, anybody here? Anybody interesting here? And you look around, right? So you're really being intentional about trying to bring somebody romantic into your life. In my opinion, the exact same thing should be true in the friend space, right? You want something, go out and get it. And you start just with your existing friends or your family. Hey, you know, and I give this example all the time. I had a friend who was a new mom who was also starting a business. And she was like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I, you know, that that's a lot of moving parts, right? Being a new mom and also starting a new business, which is like kind of like a also a baby, right? <laughs> and she and and so I said to her, well, have you asked any of your friends if they know some, if they know people or, or family in similar situations? And she said, no. And I said, why not ask them? Do you know anybody that's, you know, going through something kind of like I'm going through, put it out there. Right. Um, if you, I, if I, I give this example a lot too, like, let's say you have a dog and you walk that dog hopefully. If you, instead of walking that dog around the block in the usual route you go, right, find the nearest dog park, take your dog there. What, what does that do? Well, you now put yourself in a group of people that you know you have at least one thing in common with, right? You love your dogs. When you're there, show up there and pay attention to the other people who are there. And it's not like you're going to meet somebody the first time you show up at a dog park, but when you're kind of open and looking around, is there anybody I'm curious about here? Does anybody look cool here? Does anybody kind of feel like my vibe? If they do throw the dog ball in their direction, walk over there and literally start talking to them. Not in a crazy way. <laughs> it's so easy to start. Oh, your dog's so cute. What kind, what breed is it? Oh, that's a cool ball or you would, I mean, it's so easy to start these conversations because you're in a situation that feels comfortable. And you know, again, you know, you have some basic things in common with them, right? Same thing with jogging or exercise, like to ride your bike or go jogging. Don't just do it solo. You can do it sometimes solo, but find a, uh, a jogging group, find a bike riding group. Again, you know, you have at least one thing in common with these people, much easier to start conversations. And um, again, it's not like you're necessarily going to meet a best friend, but you could. And that's where you want to be. Again, if you want something, you want to put yourself in the situations. You need to put it out there energetically. You need to put it out there literally. Um, and I was talking to somebody about the dog park thing. And they were like, what are you, Aaron, are you crazy? So what, I'm going to walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, do you want to go for coffee? And I'm like, well, no, you wouldn't. That would be, that would be crazy because you don't know them. But if you keep <laughs> seeing them, you know, once, twice, three times at the dog park and you guys are like ch chit chatting. Yeah. I know it sounds weird. Right. But if you were again, looking for a romantic partner, you would totally do that. Or you would at least angle to get invited for a coffee. But mm -hmm. so it's the exact same thing. If you want a relationship, you need to go get it. And it's much better to do that on your terms, as opposed to like, again, hoping somebody just shows up at a random party that's introduced to you and you like them. And then again, that's the passive version. 
of this. And you want to be always as much as possible engaged in the active version of finding the people that really fit you, you know? Um, so it's scary or it feels weird because we just don't talk about it and, and, and don't do it in this way. But that's really one of my big hopes of the book is like that we start talking about this. We start finding language around this so that it doesn't feel like weird you know, maybe in two or three years from now, people in dog parks all across the country are like, hey, want to go for coffee? Maybe we could be friends. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, that was really great advice. Very sound advice that I want to use now and like put myself out there in those situations because I feel like I don't do that enough. But um, I know we only have a couple minutes left. So I just have a couple rapid fire questions for you. And my first one for you is what are like the top three to five qualities of a good friend? Um, Active listener, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, somebody that is shows up, it's better to hang out with somebody for 30 minutes, but really be engaged than you know, an hour and a half, two and a half hour dinner where you don't connect with the person at all. Commitment, you got to commit. So it's not always convenient when you make that happy hour date, you know, you're kind of sometimes waiting for the hoping the person cancels got to get out of that mindset, right? You got to show up for people and not all of them. Again, that's why it's important to make choices. Um, positivity, you've got to, you've got to, these relationships have to be led with positivity. It doesn't mean you can't talk shit or you can't be going through life, you know, life, the darker periods of life, but net net, when you look at the landscape of the friendship, is it rooted in positivity? Um, and I think, you know, part of that is, is you want to try and find a sense of humor in these relationships. Um, you got to be, have integrity you cannot, you know, you, the person has to feel trust in you that you're not going to talk behind their back or share secrets or that kind of thing. And was that five or was that four? That was four, I think, but that, I mean, it was like, you had a mini example in there that might've been a fifth one. So that was perfect. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then my last question for you, I ask all my guests this at the end of the podcast, what are your thoughts on thriving? So what do you think the key to thriving is? Um, understanding yourself to the deepest level possible and taking moments every single day uh, in a calculated way to reduce the chaos in your mind. So for me, that's meditation. Uh, But if that's not your thing, you need to find whatever that meditative thing is for you to turn the volume to zero on chaos 15 minutes a day religiously. Love it. Completely agree. Well, thank you so, so much, Erin, for coming on the podcast. This was so lovely. And I think this will help so many of my listeners. Um, Before you leave, where can everyone find you, find the book, follow along with your work and everything? Uh, The book is wherever you buy books, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, indie booksellers. Um, And for me, I'm at Erin Falconer on all things social or at Pick the Brain, which is my blog. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys.